Hey, Akko. Hey, Marcy. So real quick, did you know, did Ooh. you know that we actually have 14 ratings on Apple Podcasts? 14? That's more than 10. Girl, I know. Like, motherfuckers actually left us reviews, which you really, really appreciate. And I actually had a little bit of an idea. Wait, are you suggesting some type of interactive situation where readers give ratings and reviews of whatever kind they want? And then if they get a certain amount, maybe we release an episode? Um... Yes, that's actually exactly what I was thinking. Like, I actually don't know. Like, are you clairvoyant? Like, what the fuck was that? Like, how did you, you literally just like, okay. Um, So that's actually exactly what I had in mind. So to kind of give this some context. So Color Pages Book Club, when we started almost a year ago, when we were preparing for the show and kind of, you know, just like getting set up and everything, we actually recorded what we like to call episode zero, where we read this short story called Book of Martha by Octavia Butler. And so we like did the episode and we like edited it and like, you know, just like kind of did all that stuff. Granted, she you know, is, is literally, literally the first episode. So, first like, you episode. know, slow, modest <laughs> in terms of like some of the quality pieces. But we're That's thinking, cute. as Akko mentioned, you know, we have 14 ratings and reviews on uh, Apple Podcasts. And so, something that we really want to do for year two of the Color Pages Book Club is just be more interactive with you all. We want to hear yes. more from you. We want to like just have more of a dialogue back and forth. And so, what we're thinking was that if we get to 25 ratings or reviews and again these can be ratings of like any kind like yep. it's no pressure to be like oh girl like you know like five stars like i mean yeah like five stars are cute but like you know we also just want to hear from you all and like kind of get what you all like think about the show and stuff so if we get to that number 25 we'll actually release episode zero book Ooh. of martha yes so yeah if you Feel it, and if you have it in your schedule, if you have it in your hearts, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us some sort of rating or review. And yes, once we get to twenty five, we'll actually release episode zero. Yes, it's it's a doozy, girl. So you know, it's a, fun it's, one. it's a good time. Yes, and yeah, just for the whole next year, we really want to hear more from you guys in general. If you have books you want us to read, if you have ideas, if there's a trope or a topic that you want us to discuss, if you want to hear more about Hazel and her. Beautiful ability to <laughs> come on, Hazel. <laughs> Hazel. Oh, it's my boo. That is my boo. So um, yes. So, yeah, all of those things. But shit, even if y'all have, like, you know, when we do our little um, discussion at the very beginning, if you have some prompts that you want us to talk Ooh. about, like any questions that you want Akko to ask, like, yeah, we just want to hear from you all just across the board. So, yes. Yeah, so, we're doing this little, like, a little, you know, like a little, a little um, promoting. And then, yeah, we'll just kind of see where it goes. I like it. Well, when with that, let's jump in to the episode. Wonderful. Hi, I'm Marcy. And I'm Akko. And welcome to a- another episode of the Colored Pages Book Club, a bi-weekly podcast that focuses on fiction, fantasy, and magical realism written by writers from colorful backgrounds yes the dynamic duo is back for another week of fantasy and fiction and this week we will be reading an unkindness of ghosts by rivers solomon now rivers solomon identifies as a queer writer as well as a she-beast anarchist wreck and refugee of the transatlantic slave trade they were born in the u.s but hop skip away 
<laughs> I'm making it sound like the Atlantic is just like a little pond. They just hop skipped right. over to the UK. <laughs> they live in the UK now, where they, in addition to appearing in, on the Stonewall Honor List and winning a Firecracker Award, Solomon's debut novel, An Unkindness of Ghosts, which will be a reading today, um, has also been featured on NPR, Black Warrior Review, and the New York Times. So we were like, mm, people got good things to say about this book. Let's give it a read. You know, check it out for ourselves. See what's up. But, <laughs> Marcy, <laughs> I know you're Hello. shocked and surprised about what's going to happen next. But Yes, 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 yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> well, lucky for all of us, I have a question. Hazel has just really blessed us yes. on this day. I'm so excited to hear this question. Also, for people Honestly. who are like, who the fuck is Hazel? Check out um, Jaching Wilson Yang's like small beauty episodes because there's like a dog named Hazel that like, really just did some like incredible shit like honestly like revolutionized the community and so like if we reference hazel that's who we're talking about um but yes akko what <laughs> what is your question <laughs> also remember when, like judging like i was like oh my god so like tell us about hazel and she was like girl like I, I mean hazel was like a dog like i don't know why you're like really like you really harping in on hazel right now like i really i don't know anyway sorry girl what is your question <laughs> facts i mean we were like hazel is really the star of the book and touching was like definitely a side character but all right (laughs) um yes but the question for today is since an unkindness of ghosts takes place on a flying boat ship in space similar to like star trek or star star wars you know where you know it's not like an apollo 13 ship where like you gotta like float and eat like astronaut food it's Mm -hmm. like a real big you know there's graph fake gravity which isn't a real thing people are walking around very seriously from deck to deck and pushing a lot of Mm -hmm. buttons and beep booping everything um that kind of ship so Mm -hmm. if you had that level of star trek star wars like ship in space how would you organize your spaceship now just for some context for people who are like not into sci-fi you can have in 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 star trek's probably the best example like you have people who are on the above deck who are doing all the work and stuff and then you have people below deck who are like the mechanics and you know scotty's over here pushing the beam me up buttons and Mm -hmm. you know there's a translator and sulu's over here like driving the ship but like how would you do it well you know would there be some gardeners would there be some i I don't know a translator would there be some people Mm -hmm. you know i don't know making snacks for everybody Ooh, uh, oh my god i love this question a lot um so i'm gonna preface my response by saying she is not an engineer she does not know how this shit works in terms of like you know like the thermodynamics and like the physics of a spaceship and shit <laughs> however if i could just like just do whatever the fuck i wanted um i think what i would do i would opt for there to be I don't think I would have decks. Like, I don't think there would be, like, an upper or a lower deck. I think it would all just be flat. Like, it would kind of probably... I'm sure it would probably look like a saucer or, like, a like a giant mm. plate or something like that. And I don't know. I imagine... Granted, I don't know how many people went on this ship, but I feel like it would be divided into... Uh, to the extent that I could control it. Like, just, like, have different like climate areas like maybe there's like a way that we can engineer having like say like a more foresty landscape or like a beach area or like you know just like if i could like manipulate it and like kind of have it mimic nature in different ways i feel like that could be cute and shit maybe even if we like had the technology maybe like an outside portion where like motherfuckers could literally be on the ship as we're like going through space and like looking at it granted i don't want bitches to like fall and like into space so like that might we'd have to be like real careful with that but like i feel like it would be kind of like that (laughs) 
<laughs> and as far as because and the reason why I'd want it to be sort of set up like that is because I think. I mean, look, if you are on a spaceship, you with the same motherfuckers for like an honestly uninterrupted amount of time. You are with these bitches until honestly further notice. And it's like, I feel like if everyone lived on the same plane, if everyone lived sort of in this, sim- like on a similar landscape, like it would be, I don't know, I feel like communication would be better. Kind of like the idea of like an open workplace, I guess. Like it's like, you know, there's like less divisions and less like hierarchy of like, oh, these people like work here and these people do this. And then it's like everyone's just kind of like, on this shit, trying to figure this shit out. In terms of, like, living quarters, I imagine it would be sort of, like, similarly more communal in nature. But also, like, I mean, privacy is important. You know, people do need time to themselves. So I think it would just be... I imagine that, like, there would just be a kind of, like, rotational style of, like, communication and, like, sort of, like, of tasks. Like, I don't think... Mm. And I think if it was just, like, a like a society where people just, like, you know, live there, like, I think most people would be trained in sort of, like, whatever would need to be done. So, like, whether it comes to, like, food or maintenance or whatever, like, it would just be a rotational system of, like, everyone kind of does everything because everyone... It gives everyone this similar level of, like, buy-in, a similar level of, like, intel. It kind of allows people to, like... Yeah, just really understand what goes behind things. And I think when critical decisions need to be made, it's like everyone kind of can can approach that from like a multi-positional like perspective. Um, right. And yeah, like I think also too, like it would be like lit as shit. Like I think also like, you know, work would be done to the extent that I needed to. Like, you know, ha- some maintenance has to go into it. But I imagine also a lot of time would be spent like writing and like, you know, singing and dancing and just like, I feel like art would just be a huge part of the culture because I, again like if you're like on the same ship like i imagine that's extremely claustrophobic and so it's like nice to have these like artistic outlets and stuff therapy would be free actually everything would be free like there would be no why would there Ooh. be capitalism like what <laughs> so like everything would just be provided. <laughs> <on a> ship. <laughs> um yeah that's kind of what i imagine um ah. kind of like it like i feel like i kind of cheated because it's like this this doesn't sound like a spaceship this just sounds like what Marcy wants the planet to be like. Um, <laughs> so like, it's like, oh, but like, it would be in space. It's like, girl, this is so lazy. Like you're literally just taking what you would want on earth and just putting it in space. <laughs> so maybe there would be like, I don't know, like, like every Friday there would be like a, you know how like, like there's like, like anti-gravity and shit. Like maybe there'd be like an anti-gravity, like dance battle or some shit. I don't know. Like there would be like dance teams. I don't know. I'm, I'm like bullshit at this point, but I think. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you were like, let me add one thing to make like, it like it's in space. Like, one thing where it sounds like space. And it's like, okay, sis, like that was cute. But um, yeah, I think that's kind of what I'd want things to look like. What about you? What do you, <laughs> what do you think? It's so funny that you said the anti-gravity battles because I also, for some reason, was like, wouldn't it be great if we could like have floating anti Wait, you also thought that? Like- <laughs> um, I truly did. I was like, that would be great, you know? But I, I, um, Thank God. I think it's just, we, we watch the same sci-fi, like clearly. <laughs> <laughs> what was I going to say? Oh, yes. But for mine, um, yeah. I, well, first I wanted to point out that like the Earth is kind of like a huge spaceship in space. Like we actually can't get off the planet, and we are stuck here, and we wow, are impacting in space. It's just very that's large. actually. A, oh my you know? god! I'm like, I, uh, right? Because like you're right. <laughs> like you're literally right. <laughs> like damn. Yeah. Because that's why it's like the environment being destroyed is so important because everyone's like, oh, crap, wait, we can't get off of this planet. Like we are actually like it's not like this isn't like Star Trek where they're going to like Tantooine and Naboo. We're stuck here. We're not going anywhere. We don't got I mean, I guess we go to Mars, but in the moon. But (laughs) I mean, girl, I guess um, like. Right. There's no food on the moon or Mars. Um, (laughs) For my choice. (laughs) For my choice, I, I was thinking about this too. I I think for me, I would 
would love like the idea of I, I agree with you i wouldn't want different levels or at least if there's different levels i would love if everyone first there's no like inability to get from yes. one place to another like there's no like oh they can't get up here or they can't get down there there's no like division mm-hmm. that way and then i would love if everyone was able to see the stars like you know mm. what i mean like because if you're in the ship in space it's going to be claustrophobic and you know, you just need to see outside sometimes. Like, even if it's not, like, here on Earth, you go outside and there's plants mm-hmm. and stuff. If we're stuck on this ship, like, I, we need to see th- that we're not just in a box. You know, you're going to go right. insane. So I would love that. I agree with you. I actually do want some place where people can, like, go. Uh, obviously, they can't be outside because it's space <laughs> and they're going to die. But, like, you know, like a big obser- <laughs> observatory where you can, like, sit on some artificial grass and trees and stuff and look out and see all the planets and stuff. I would also, like, thinking on a, like a practical mm-hmm. perspective this is not going to be practical because it's sci-fi <laughs> but like there'd be a team of people or people who could be trained to like take like these space pods out and like go different directions and see like what's out there from distances mm. to distances. you know like like oh these little mission teams that go out and be like oh you know i just yeah we saw some asteroids and like i don't know there's probably some water out there some asteroid water mm-hmm. we can grab some of that and like other teams would go out and be like hey you know i found this dope planet maybe we should like send a convoy down there although you know that could get dangerous because you don't know there could be some aliens down there that are like they, they'll like like ooh humans something. like um, <laughs> and it's like oh my god like, <laughs> right we in danger they're shit. like mm, delicious <laughs> <laughs> yeah but i think it would be good <laughs> we in danger but it would be cool to have like an exploration team that's going out to like see what's out there sorry, I really cracked myself up. <laughs> then sorry, have a I'm team sorry. inside <laughs> no it's hilarious like (laughs) these people eating those like soup um and then i'm trying to think what else yeah i do i i feel like i'm just piggybacking off of yours but i like the idea of like everyone being trained in everything because if we're on the ship like we all need to know how to grow some plants because what if an asteroid hits it and then 15 people get sucked out and jimmy was the only one who knew how to grow potatoes well now we're not gonna get any (laughs) potatoes like i want some mashed potatoes maybe i want a little sweet sweet potatoes in my mm-hmm. pie i don't know i actually don't like sweet potatoes no, that's fine. you know that's <laughs> not the point um <laughs> so anyway <laughs> this topic has det- <laughs> deteriorated <but laughs> oh my god no. i i love that yeah because and that's the other thing too i feel like in terms of like more than just even roles like even like leadership i, I imagine would also be rotational like it would just be kind of like everyone mm is allowed to make decisions. I like I just like would truly like I don't know, I feel like living in space, like like on a spaceship is just like such a silly, like ridiculous scenario. It's like why not just like completely revolutionize how we do everything? Yeah. You know right. I mean? Like who says that we can't live in a world where it's like every like at different points people just like maybe it's like it's like a rotating it's like a schedule, right? It's like okay for this month, like so and so is gonna like, you know, be and not even necessarily like the leader, but more like the facilitator. Like they'll kind of facilitate these conversations and mm. it just kind of rotates in a way where it's like, okay, like we're able to like like there's still like some form of leadership culture, but it's like not so much so that like it's like it becomes tyrannical or like so little that it's like everything's just like aimless and all over Ooh. the place. Kind of like what we talked about with Corey actually um, in our interview with her. So yeah, I don't know. That's just something that oh, nice. it, you know, like just <laughs> like tying in previous episodes. You know, like listen to the last episode <laughs> or whatever. But um, yes, you know, I was thinking about it. Maybe. I know I just said the Earth is like a spaceship, but also not because I feel like there's a stability on earth of like nothing's gonna like crash through the window and suck everybody out (laughs) i feel like maybe that (laughs) 
that ever <laughs> that ever present fear like oh you know we're the only ones we have and actually like the outside is very very hostile to us you know it's space maybe that would bring people maybe. together like maybe in that right it's like a different situation and so maybe we can use that to sort of become appreciative of each other and not necessarily need to be so um at odds because it's like look we Mm -hmm. are on the ship we're just trying to work it out and like why it's exactly what you're saying like if we're this story is already like high key not where we are right now so you know maybe in a different it's like when people are stuck on a Mm -hmm. desert island right like i feel like that happens and then people start to work together you know in the stories is always like jimmy hated sam but by the end of it like they were lovers because it was just they they were stuck on the island for so long i I, 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 like love this like (laughs) yaoi fantasy like jimmy x sam like i'm like so about it Um, (laughs) just made it gay you know it's it's, it's like um But, but right but like like you're on the island and uh, and so maybe it's the same thing about a spaceship hmm. but to be fair humans find the dumbest things to be mad at each other yeah for, so maybe not well on that note um let's <laughs> take a little bit of a break <laughs> and we'll get back we'll talk about the first half of an unkindness of ghosts So, like we said, we read An Unkindness of Ghosts for our book today. And just to give you guys a little context for the story, it takes place on a spaceship called Matilda. Oh, what? Like, the question from the beginning somehow relates That's to the story. That's wild. Uh, oh, my God. Uh, <laughs> also, real quick. So, this is, we probably should have mentioned this earlier, but, like, Aqua and I are both, like, a little bit sick. So, if our voices sound, like, a little off, that's, <laughs> that is why. Yes. <laughs> yes. We have a bit of a cold. So, yes. We're yes. on Matilda in space. And... It's like we said, like our scenario that we presented earlier, it's less of a rocket ship and more like a Star Wars, Star Trek, huge thing where there's like fields and plants and upper decks Mm. and lower decks, a lot like the Titanic. And from what we can tell, the Earth has been destroyed or it's inhabitable. They're just, they're not going back to Earth. And they're on the ship and they're looking for this new promised land. And it's been 300 years. So (laughs) they're really not going back. Motherfuckers been on Matilda for (laughs) a minute. (laughs) Like... Yes. Yes. So, okay, so really quickly, the way the sh- that Matilda is set up, it's like like kind of similar to what Aka mentioned. It's it's sort of like the Titanic in that there are different levels. And so like there are basically like the upper decks and the lower decks. And it's all in alphabetical order. So there's A deck, B deck, C, etc. onto Z deck. And the ones in A, obviously ABC are sort of like in the upper decks, Z and all those other ones are the lower decks. And the basically what deck you live on like has like everything to do with sort of like what resources you have available and like the kind of people that you live with. So it's kind of honestly in a lot of ways, like a reimagination of slavery in a lot of ways. So people in the upper decks tend to be white. They tend to have a lot of power. They tend to have like, you know, fucking like ice rinks and like, was just like ridiculous shit. But like, if you're like on the lower deck, so for example, Astar main character, she lives on Q deck and there it's like, you know, you just like, you're lucky to get by with like whatever. And like, if ever there's like a time of like energy scarcity right. or anything like that, they're way quicker to like take energy from the lower decks and out of the upper decks. And as well as that, um, yeah. So like, as you go lower on the decks, like obviously the darker people become um, in this sort of reimagination and mm-hmm. on Matilda, there's sort of this system of power where they like, so essentially they're like, I guess head person in charge is known as a sovereign. 
think of them as kind of like yes. honestly more like I, I was gonna say like a president but more like a dictator like that's kind of like how they roll so yeah. there's the sovereigns um there are guards that are on each different deck and guards are basically sort of like your overseers like they're people who sort of like enforce the social play like the social dynamics at play you know make sure that people don't necessarily interact with each other too much like things like that yeah and yeah it's a pretty unnecessarily it, violent yeah that's the other, yeah so guards are like really fucking violent like they do like terrible shit to people especially on the lower decks and so there's just like this culture of like really extreme oppression and then it's like especially claustrophobic giving that like matilda is like on like in space so you can't like leave like there's just like you're just all matilda and so yeah it's yeah Lastly, so our main character, her name is Aster, and um, Aqua will go into more of who she is like throughout the plot summary. But basically, Aster really quickly has a very like specific personality. Like she's from a lower deck, but she's like very brilliant mm. and like you know like a medical professional. And like she, her personality is one in which she's very literal. Like when people say things to her, she just takes it very very literally. And so it's kind of like it's mm. unclear basically in the in the writing it's unclear if it's like say just like a personality quirk of hers or like perhaps she's like on the spectrum like it's, it's not really like a super elaborated or very clear at the moment but like she does kind of have this like like this like very specific personality in the narrative so the story kicks off with aster the main character who we just talked about she's around the age of 25 and as we said she's a doctor on the lower deck and honestly there are not that many if any doctors on the lower deck so she basically is yep. going around to all the decks mm-hmm. saving people's lives. So <laughs> when the story begins, she is amputating a child's foot named Flick. And Flick is so, so cute. cute story, like borderline y'all. Hazel, like for real. Like so cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Flick is they're so cute. Like they're like they have this little jar, they there's light in it somehow. They're it's really cute. And but unfortunately, because they're on the lower deck and there's been energy shortages. Um, they've gotten frostbite on one of their foot so they have to get they have to get mm. it amputated and then Flick's grandmother's there and she's kind of like thanking her for her help and he, she gives her this cloak and honestly it's just sad yep. that's how the story begins off so you're like oh dang and it's like chapter two it's like oh my god <laughs> fuck right right oh great awesome flip page so afterwards um, we see Aster going to the secret botanarium botanarium uh, apparently she has this like whole garden hidden somewhere on the ship, which truly I was like, how first, how big is this ship too? What, how did you, right. how is this hidden? Well, okay. But she gets there <laughs> and she runs into her friend, Gisel, Gisel, Gisel. In my Gisel. mind it was Giselle, but and I they really both, matters, yeah. Giselle. Okay. I like Giselle. Mm. That sounds nice. Okay. I, I'll take it. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so, um, Giselle and them and, and Aster are both, lamenting about the fact that there's no energy and it's probably for some dumb reason like the upper deck kids want like some plants or some trees around and they're like ah now because of that there's no energy and so while we're while they're talking and chatting we like learn that aster's mother loon had all these journals and they're actually a really important piece of the story so that's when they're first Mm -hmm. introduced and actually aster's mother was from the y deck which sounds like it was better than although Y comes later in the alphabet. So I was like, y'all are playing games with these mm-hmm. decks, but fine, whatever. But the Y deck people are, or maybe not because they all get cancer because I think the Y deck people do a lot of the work with Baby, the artificial power source, which is like a nuclear fission fusion thing that they yeah. use for the sun. So maybe that's why it's lower because even though they are doing like very highly intellectual work, like they, they all have radiation yeah. poisoning, but I don't know. Anyway, so... 
but it still sounds like it was an upper deck. Whatever. <laughs> so her mother wrote all these journals, and Astrid doesn't really understand them. All she knows is that her mother started to have mental issues as she aged, and then her eye irises turned into these like odd gear shaped things, which I'm not really yeah. sure what that means, but sure. Um, and then she eventually took her mm-hmm. own life. But while she's talking to Gissel, we said her name was Giselle. <laughs> Girl, it's Fast. fine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but while talking to Giselle, Giselle's like, oh, you didn't know your mother was actually hella brilliant. And everything she wrote down was a code. It wasn't just nonsense. And Astrid's like, oh, I definitely was taking everything right. literally. So, but more on that later on, because then we're introduced to the surgeon, Theo, who is quite a troubled individual because he's like the child of a very important upper deck person, actually the son of the mm-hmm. previous sovereign, and um, a black woman who I guess apparently we don't feel like giving a name. <laughs> and oh, he's God. a doctor genius. <laughs> I just, in fact, it's just, I can't even. <laughs> and so he's like this doctor genius, and <laughs> he's been so from an early age, and he has a lot of, he has, because of that, he has a lot of agency, and because obviously of his lineage. But he also doesn't. For a number of reasons. Well, first, he lost one part of his foot because he got polio from Mm -hmm. a a young age. And then also, he doesn't identify as a man. And he has a lot of stigmatization from the people on the upper deck because I guess they see him as very Mm -hmm. effeminate. I don't know. They're just very... Look, the book is full of homophobia, so I'm not surprised. But they're just like, the doctor, blah, 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 blah. But I think he's internalized a lot of the weird religious stuff on the boat, too. So he's got some issues, Mm -hmm. you know, but... He's trying to help the people. You know, he writes Aster all these passes so she can get around the ship. And that's kind of dope. Yes. So just as, which is important because all the guards on this ship Mm. are trash. I'm not even going to go into how trash they are because they're just trash. They're homophobic, abusive, sexually assaulty. And it happens a lot through the book. And yeah. So just know that if you're going to read it, that it's a common theme. So then um, Aster and Giselle learn about the books and they're trying to decode them on the ship. And it's like cute. They're like trying to like read through them and see what's going on. And they realize that the journals are actually a power grid for Matilda. What? That's crazy. Which I was like, oh my God. Like that's (laughs) wild. Um, Also just points to the fact that like, Loon, like, like Aster's mom was like fucking brilliant. Like, yeah, like, literally wrote a whole ass code, and like, it like wasn't peeped by anyone. Right, like, that's wild. Which also means like Giselle is kind of brilliant because she was like, oh, this is clearly a code, and you're like, oh, I, I also, I was with Aster. I was like, I don't know what this is. Right, Some journals. Like I was like, what the fuck is on this page, bro? Like, <laughs> what, like what the fuck? This is even say like this don't even make sense. Like, right, I was like, like, I, was like girl, I'm I don't even know. Like. <laughs> Like was she writing the shit while she was like, right, asleep? right. Like, you know who? when you're doing but, your writing assignment for class the next day and you're like trying to write words, but then you wake up the next morning and you're like, well, that's a mess. And you're like, wow, literally, what language is this? Because right. like, girl, I can't even, I can't even claim English with this for <laughs> real. Like, honestly, I don't even know what the fuck this is like. <laughs> so afterwards, after they've been like, you know, staying up late all night, we get a kind of an understanding of what they do during the day, which is work on these fields. And okay. Again, this is a very large ship, honestly, in my opinion. It just looks like a planet. But they have these rotating fields that rotate around Baby, which is the artificial light energy source. And they're working Mm -hmm. on it. It's like a very sharecropper slave situation. There's like overseers and everything. But while they're doing, Mm -hmm. while they're on this rotating, I don't even know if the fields are a different rotating space than the other. I think they are. Like they're separately rotating, like not like the rest of the ship. Um, Yes. Yeah, I want to say that's so, true. So yeah. all of a sudden, something happens. There's a malfunction somehow, and 
the rotating field stop rotating and much like the earth if it ever stops rotating like you have a problem like you you will die so everyone's just <laughs> like you're like just it, fucked right like, it's like the just... end of the day <laughs> so everyone just <laughs> like starts things just start flying like you know the scythes the things they're using to cut with the shovels all these sharp objects are just flying through the air people are flying <laughs> yep. hazel is flying <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> you're like bitch how to hey we're gonna Matilda like that that's wild. Like, what happened to May's life, girl? Oh, my God, it's wild. Like, Small Beauty Part 2, sis, the sequel, girl. <laughs> but, um, but yes, so, and then Astra gets stabbed between the shoulders by the, a, shovel or a, a, a shovel or something, and it's very painful. But she's like, and everyone's like, Astra, are you going to die? Astra, and she's like, can't stay here, got to go. And she, like, runs through the field, like, climbs through an air event, finds the surgeon somehow, and the surgeon's like, um, you're bleeding out. And she was like, yep, that's why I came to find you. And he's like, um, oh, okay, like, could have, um, all right, well, I'll just fix you up, I guess. This was very dangerous, but mm. I'm sure, like, that's fine. <laughs> And so while they're talking, like, Aster is like, hey, you know, can I get to Wydeck? Like, could you write me a pass? And, and Aster is like, that's suspect. But, I mean, I don't care about, I don't care for the patriarchy. So, I mean, here you go. Right. So mm-hmm. then Aster s- pretends like she's going up to the Wydeck to do some blood testing. But actually, she's there to see the baby and see what this is all about and all this power source and what it means. And so she's like. Because yes. Loon, you, sorry, just really quickly. Loon used to work on babies. Yes. So, like, the power source, like, Loon used to work there, which is why Astro's like, girl, I have to like see what's up. Exactly. Yes, just want to drop yes, it. Good in. point. Thank you, Marcy. And also, like, there's this underlying sense of like, who was my mom and what was she like and what was she doing? And I want to find out. Which, mm-hmm. you know, it's very human. And so she gets up there and she's like taking blood samples, which I hope they are real blood samples because you, you really can't be stabbing people for not stabbing, but like, right. You know, like, <laughs> like, she, like just for the flex. Right, like, exactly. what? <laughs> she really took their blood. So hopefully it's useful for something. Um, I'm sure that will never. Mm-hmm come up again but anyway so she's <laughs> <laughs> so she's taking their blood and she's like asking questions she's like yo so anybody know why these blackouts are happening and they're like oh everyone's always asking us like everything is fine here like the baby is doing what we've programmed it to do like it is just working as it is she's like i'm sure somebody on the upper deck is just trying to build an ice rink or something and astro's like i mean mm-hmm. they honestly already have an ice rink and i was like these upper deck people are messy you got a whole ice oh rink god. and you can't put power in the lower deck. I am so upset with you. Oh that. my god, girl. <sighs> but then one of the scientists is like, yo, I think honestly there's some type of magnet thing going on. Like there's a big magnet somewhere in the vicinity, either in space near us, on the ship, I do not know. But that's the only thing that would cause such a disruption in the field. I do not know if that is real science, but we do not care. But the point is, there may be a very large magnet doing something, causing a disruption. And everyone's like, ooh, a magnet. And so then Astor like puts the sh- her mom's map up and is like, oh, my God, I think. And she realizes like the the official map of, of, of Matilda and her mom's map are different. And her mom's map has way more stuff on it. And she's like, my mm. mom figured out that there was something here that nobody that wasn't like she found it in the absence of evidence and it like started charting it and you're like ooh loon mm. like dang yes so that happens and everyone's like oh my god that i can't even believe it because again loon is like a fucking genius like it like doesn't even make sense so you're like bro like how did you even oh my god right. so 
Yes. So basically, so now Astor's like, okay, so I need to basically kind of retract my mom's steps and kind of see what this whole magnet situation is, like what this whole energy thing is. Because yeah. So Astor, while Astor's having this realization, we like for literally a hot second, like a smooth three minutes, like are switched to Theo's perspective. So Theo <laughs> is the surgeon that Akko mentioned earlier, the one who like um, had polio and like all of that. He's like a, he's like brilliant. And like, yeah. So Essentially, the book switches to his perspective, and we kind of find out that, yeah, like, he comes from, like, you know, this very, like, his dad used to be the Sovereign, and his mom was, like, this black woman, it was, like, this whole scandal, and so, like, that's why he had to, like, low-key stop being the Sovereign, and the current Sovereign is, like, named Nicolaus, I think, yeah. um, and he's, like, hella sick, like, motherfucker is, like, sick as a dog, just sick as shit. And according to, you know, the blogs, they're saying that basically when that bitch dies, like, th- like Theo's uncle is going to become the sovereign, yeah. which is problematic for a number of reasons, because Theo's uncle is one of the most heinous motherfuckers mm. like you honestly will probably ever encounter in your life. Like he like one just doesn't see it for Aster at all, like uses every like institutional influence he has to like make her life as miserable as possible to like turn the guards against her. I'm sure to have the guards enact terrible things against her. Like he's just like a horrible fucking person. Also, it's kind of implied. Like, so basically the scene where like where the chapter begins is like Theo's like having a conversation with his uncle and he's very like distant from him like clearly doesn't see it for him and his uncle like again without necessarily going to like a bunch of different details about it like his uncle essentially is like sexually attracted to him and like it's kind of implied yeah. that like throughout Theo's childhood like he like experienced some sort of like repressed sexual abuse partially evidenced by the fact that like he doesn't really remember a lot of his childhood and like mm. kind of dead yeah, the way it was framed it was kind of like put in that light so yeah, so there's a lot going on there. But basically, um, yeah, so they, like, have this brief conversation, and then later Theo's like, oh, I need to meet up with Aster to, like, I don't know. Like, Theo and Aster are just always meeting up. They're like, oh, girl, what you doing? And, like, just, like, linking up. And I'm just like, okay, like, are y'all, like, going to Chipotle? Like, what the fuck? Like, they always ah! just, like, at brunch. It's, it's wild. Get some guac on the right. side. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, because I'm like, well, like, you know, get that extra guac, sis, if you can. But, um, yeah, so basically, oh, so. But I guess we should mention, yes. they're seeing, like, they have a relationship of some kind. It seems like it's stressed because of various things. Um, One is, like, Aster's, Aster's like, what, are we friends? Are we acquaintances? Like, wait, what? But that's, like, their social, they have, because they have different social status. And then, also, right. honestly, Theo's got some stuff he's got to work out. Like, he's, he's you know, he's, he's quite upset about a lot of things in his life, which makes sense, of course. So, the, the two of them were, like, and then Aster's not great at communication. So, the two of them, like, want to be close to each other it feels like yeah right that's that's what i felt like i felt like they wanted to be close to each other but they all the social stuff and their burdens and history like made it tense for them yeah no that's so real and they typically are brought together by their mutual love and like like a high skill set towards science and like specifically medicine so like that's typically what they like use to link up like they'll be like oh girl let's do uh some like doctor shit right (laughs) like like, theo's like what's good boo and like you know they have this whole like interaction but of course he doesn't say what's good boo because theo yeah there's a lot going on and i don't know it's just oh yeah there's a lot but basically so aster is in the field i guess of not baby but like uh, was it baby girl i don't know aster was in the field doing (laughs) some kind of something and basically she was like oh bitch like you should like let's link up like in the field i think she was yeah i think it was i think it was in y deck like after yeah that would actually only make sense yeah so i think i'm pretty sure it was in y deck but basically yeah so whatever so theo meets up with her in the fields and you know they have this whole interaction where like you know um 
Esther like made this like altar because she's like, oh, you're super religious. Like you're like hella religious. Right. So like he was like an altar. And then she like made them dinner and was like, oh, like I actually made your plate vegetarian. Cause like, you know, like I know you vegetarian. And, she, and like Theo was like, wow, like I really love this person, but like I'm 0% equipped to actually express that. And so like, instead of like expressing that, like it was just like, they were like having this whole thing where like they were close to each other and like Theo wanted to like give her a kiss on the forehead, but he was like, oh my God, like I shouldn't. And it was also weird too, because like basically before Aster was like, oh, here are all these gifts. Like, they went into this, like, separate, like, house thing. And along the way, like, Theo made eye contact with, like, one of the guards. And, like, the guard gave him this, like, like... Like, this, like, weird heteronormative, right. like, oh, like, I see what you're about to do. Like, oh, shit. Like, blah, blah. Basically, just trying to make it seem like he, like he and Aster were about to, like, have sex. And Theo has this interesting relationship with other men where it's, like, he right. doesn't, like, rock with that shit. So he's just kind of, like, he just was, like, I just hated us and didn't give like just didn't give a fuck and then later the guard walked in on them and like tried to make this whole, it, whatever it like this is like, honestly irrelevant but like basically Aster like offers these gifts and stuff like that and then like Theo was gonna stay but then like decided not to so instead he like went back to like his deck and then like beat it's himself lot, for like yeah. having like impure thoughts there's just like a lot going on with Theo but anyway so basically also in this interaction we find out fun fact that on Q deck all of the people are referred to as like girls right. or women un- unless like otherwise stated like unless you otherwise are like like, I identify this way. Like, the default is to be, is to use, like, she, her pronouns to be seen as a girl or a woman, which I was like, that's interesting. But, you know, kind of just, like, a detail and an otherwise, right. like, kind of irrelevant sort of, like, interaction that took place. But anyway, so basically, so now, so after Theo leaves, the next scene is essentially, like, we find out that the Sovereign died. And so Theo, like, hits up Aster and, like, was like, oh, my God, girl, like, the Sovereign's dead. And Aster <laughs> did not give a fuck. And then he, like... Loki accused her of doing something like of doing it he was like oh so did you like kill him and then asked her like literally open mouth cackled at this bitch she was like this, right. this motherfucker is wild if he Although, thought I actually went up it, like, it killed should be noted that earlier in the story Theo did ask for her help in healing him because he, he was like okay I don't all the other he was basically like you're a better doctor than all of my colleagues and i need your help and also like he's doing this weird his eyes are doing this weird irisy thing where they turn into gears again and then astra's like "Ooh, my mom had that phenomenon we all still don't know what that is but okay interesting so she's been helping take care Mm. of the sovereign which is why he's like you would have had access to poison him so did you and also you hate him because he's awful um and she's like i wish i did honestly but no i didn't Right. Huh. Yeah, when you put it like that, yeah, it actually com- it actually made complete sense that he would accuse her of some shit like that. But basically, she's like, no, I didn't kill this bitch. And they're talking, mind you, with, like, walkie-talkies. And he's like, okay, let's just, like, meet up. Like, we should, like, meet up because, like, you know, we'll have to yep. do an autopsy, whatever. And she was like, okay, cool. So while Aster... So it switches back to Aster's perspective. And so she, basically, she goes out into the field. And, like, before she goes out to meet up with Theo... She, because again, like Matilda is just fucking terrible. And so like there are people who like are just experiencing these like different blood sicknesses and stuff. And so she's like collecting plants to basically make like an elixir that like can help aid these conditions. Along this path of like getting like plants and shit, like she like runs into this like white woman named Samantha who's like, call me Miss Sammy. And then Astro was like, I'm not wild earth. Why would I ever? She's like, Miss Sammy. And Astro was like, I'm not. (laughs) And she's like, Sammy! And it's like, oh my god, girl, like, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, Miss Sammy, like, rolls up. Unnecessary. <laughs> so basically, like, Miss Sammy, like, rolls up. 
And she's like, hey, Aster, um, yeah, so, so so upper deck bitches on Matilda have this tendency to go to, like, lower decks and be like, oh, my God, they're so poor. Like, oh, my God, these bitches are so broke. Like, girl, right. this is, like, wild. Like, oh, my God. Like, it's, like, this, like, weird, like, tourism of, like, poverty. And so yeah. Samantha was doing some poverty tourism and, and along the way, like, I guess, ran, like, walked into this field and got lost. And so when she ran into Aster, she was like, oh, hey, like, I'm lost. Would you mind? guiding me back to where I need to go to get back to my, you know, to my, like, upper deck. <laughs> my upper laugh or whatever. <laughs> and then, like, Astro's um, like... Excuse me, man. Astro's like, wow. Look at that being a, an option of no? what I can choose to do next. And look at me not taking it. Look at me not caring. <laughs> look at me actually paying you dust, bitch. Like, I actually don't give a fuck at all. And so then, like, Samantha's like, it would only take you, like, two minutes to, like, guide me back. Like, why can't you just, like, guide me back to, like, where I need to go? Like, that's so rude. Like, you're, like, this, like, lower deck black bitch. And, like, how dare you? Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, she just, like, goes off and asks, just, like, yeah. just gonna pick flowers. Just don't, just not caring. I just, just continuing to not care. So, Samantha whitely goes up to this guard that's nearby and, like, basically complains about Aster. And, like, and like the guard's like, oh, Aster, like, come here, whatever. And mind you, like, so the guard was basically this... The same guard who, like, Aster had, like, earlier in the book had to, like, l- like you know, lay them hands on because he had, like, oh, went, yeah. like, basically there was, like, this whole s- section where, like, he went into the room, like, at one night and, like, basically he, like, beat some of her friends because they were cuddling and he was, like, this is, like, ungodly. And so then Aster, like, whooped that ass and it was, like, actually delicious, truly scrumptious. Like, I was, like, oh bitch, I am full. So, basically it's the same guard because, of course, like, of course it would be this, like, unfortunate coincidence. And, like, especially when you're, like, wait, why is this motherfucker even on? Why? Whatever. Anyway, so basically, it's him, and <laughs> we got and basically, like, he was like, "Oh, like you should apologize to like Miss Sammy," and then like Astro's like, "I'm not." doing no. that and so then basically like he was like okay like well i'll just have to take care of her whatever and then basically like Astro has a change of heart and was like actually just kidding i actually do want to guide miss sammy back to like her place and then miss <laughs> sammy's like yeah um uh yeah like Astro could come with me and then mind you earlier literally seconds before like samantha was like oh yeah girl like you know there's like an ethical order to things and like there's just a way that things go girl right. and like you just defied everything bitch and i can't believe it but then basically was like actually just kidding i actually want you to guide me back to my house and then the guard was like oh but then the guard was like oh but did you just say that like there's an ethical order to things and like she like fucked everything up so like what do you mean like you got me <laughs> fucked up and so then miss sammy was like well ah, you actually make a good point and so she leaves and so basically the guard like takes I Aster like, and, like, is, i'm like i'm like being ridiculous but it was actually like a very serious scene um i don't know why i'm doing this but um maybe it's just like a coping mechanism i don't know anyway so basically like so the guard takes Aster and like they're like walking to the field and it's like this whole thing where she's like oh god only knows what's gonna happen next so basically, at one point, he like grabs her, but she like tranquilizes him. Like she has this like. Oh new- yeah. Yeah. So. Because it got real weird. Like it wasn't just because like at first you're like okay so he's gonna like uh, I guess punish her, but then it got like weirdly sexual for no yeah. reason. Yeah. You're like, what is happening? And I was happening? like, what is? Oh right. my! And like yeah, just like the amount of sexual violence in this book is honestly it's it's a lot. And so. Basically, so she tranquilizes him. Um, he, like, starts to, like, struggle. They're, like, kind of going back and forth. And then out of literally nowhere, Giselle rolls up with a rifle and shoots this bitch right. dead. And I was like, that's wild. And then yeah. Aster was like, OG, and was like, well, this motherfucker got some nice-looking shoes, so I'm going to take these shoes, bitch. And she's right. like, oh, girl, this coat girl. <laughs> so she's, like, taking it. She's, like, basically grave robbing this motherfucker. She was like, girl, I can save this shit. I can sell this shit later. Look at God. And then other guards are like, was that a gunshot? Oh, my God. Like, what's happening? And so they're like, oh, we should probably, like, get the fuck. So Giselle and Aster, like, run for their lives, and they basically make it to this air duct. 
in this like random building and they're able to like kind of escape through that. And then Astro's like, oh my God, Giselle, it's been so, it's so nice to see you. Like, where were you, girl? Like, I like really missed you. And then Giselle's like, I'm going to go back to your mother. And she like cryptically leaves and Astro was like, you could have offered, like you literally could have just told me, like we, like why? Okay. Uh, whatever. Context, so Giselle anything. like vanishes into the dust. And Astro's like, what the fuck? It really could have been like, I'm going back to your mother, which I'm using metaphorically to mean this part of the show. Right. Like, like she, she, <laughs> she she's like, we anything. weren't so pressed for time that you couldn't just tell me where, like, you could like, rather than right. this weird cryptic shit, you could have just been like, oh, I'm going to be in this, like, service lift thing that, like, will come up in a second. Right. But, like, I guess, you know, that's just, it's just too easy, I guess. Um, anyway, so basically the next day, it becomes public that, like, the sovereign dies, like, the sovereign, like, died or whatever. And so Astro shares a room with, like, these people um and they were like oh no the sovereign died that's wild oh my god and then Aster, and like so literally yeah. no one gives a fuck and then Aster like let it like so they're like talking about it and Aster like let it slip that she knew that he was sick which wasn't public she only knew that because the surgeon told him right told her and like there was this girl named Mabel who like was like, "Oh, uh, you wanna you wanna t- like tell us tell tell me a little bit uh, more about that uh, situation." And then Aster was like, <laughs> "I still have to meet up with Theo." Like I still like she was like, "Damn, but I still got to meet up with Theo." So she leaves, and then Mabel's like, "Damn." I was, <laughs> She's like, "Look at my right. clock that I stole." From <laughs> and then Mabel's like, oh, "Damn, but I was this close to the T." But you know, next time. But also, I think Mabel. I think Mabel writes like a column, like a she does, lean or yes. something for like the lower deck. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, so she's like an underground them. reporter, which I'm sure will come up, at, you know, later in the story. But basically, right. so Astor's like, okay, I definitely still need to meet up with Dude. So she like goes up to J Deck, which is like where they're gonna do the autopsy on the previous Sovereign. And while she basically goes through J Deck mostly without incident, so essentially she meets up with Theo. And she was like hella nervous because she's like, oh my god, what the fuck am I about to see? Before I go into what happens next, just really quickly. So Aster wears this thing around her neck called a radio lube. It's basically this like necklace that is said to yeah. detect like radiation or like just other, basically just like kind of like energy, I guess. And so it was like a yeah. gift from her mom. And so when Aster was younger, she used to go down to like Wydeck and like go to like the haunted areas to see like if, if like the radio lube would like like chime. Because basically when the radio lube detects something, it like beeps and stuff like it like it lets you know that something's there but it, like basically it never worked and so in this autopsy like you know Astro's like hella nervous but then like Theo's like you know you're like such a better doctor than me like you know you we should do this blah blah, blah. she's like okay cool whatever so she walks up to the sovereign's body and the radio loop is just like going the fuck off like just beeping loud as shit like yeah. just loud as fuck and she's like oh my god and so she like steps back it stops beeping but she steps closer and it beeps again so it does work but it only yeah. is detected by a very specific substance and so they're like that's wild and so they're like talking about this they're like yeah. gagged and basically they like take a um so just like from the autopsy they kind of just from the symptoms they were like okay it seems like the sovereign was poisoned we should probably just take a blood sample and just like see what's up so they take a blood sample they give they put it into a i think it's called a centrifuge is how you pronounce it um yeah and so they it's like a blood separator yes. and that is real yes. there are centrifuges. yes so basically yes yeah, so they put in a centrifuge it essentially separates blood from like other i guess materials plasma i don't know i'm not in a your blood. yeah plasma yeah yes. you're, oh, you're, you're doing good. <laughs> you know just, okay yeah so anyway so they do, they do that whole process <laughs> and they find that like 
on the so they thought okay so it's metal poisoning so they'll probably find like this like layer of metal on the bottom of the sample but instead they find no metal but instead this like clear liquid that's on top of the blood so it's super lightweight and they're like that's weird so they put it in a microscope they try to like look at it but they can't find anything and then they go to this like other like hella electronic like lit as fuck like microscope and they try to look at it there and like they still there's like nothing so they're like how the fuck it's like how do we see nothing like that doesn't make sense and so for a second Aster was like you know I feel like this is the stuff that like ghosts are made out of and so then like she's like maybe like like this is, has something to do with like my mom's disappearance. Basically, there are a lot of like scenes like this right. where it's like this are like there's like a convenient tie-in to like Aster's mom, and I'm like, I don't know how you made that logic leap, but it was like convenient for the plot and like moved it forward. But I was like, I don't, whatever. <laughs> so, like, she's like, so she was like, the ghost juice has something to do with my mama, and so. Well, to be fair, in this case, right, like the only two people they've seen with this iris gear condition thing is her mom and the sovereign. And they both died right. <laughs> somehow, although, you know, under different circumstances. So I think that's where some of the connection is coming from. But yeah, there is like, wait, hold on. How did we? Okay, sure. Right. Fine. So okay. basically, Astra's like, okay, so I like super need to find my mom. But then she like, I guess I, don't, I honestly don't remember how she came to this conclusion. But after getting the ghost juice and was like, oh, my God, ghost juice. She remembered. how you're calling it What'd ghost you say? juice. I love how you're calling oh, yeah. it ghost juice. <laughs> 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 that's like basically what it was. So she has this memory of like how she and Giselle, when they were younger, used to like go down to Y deck and climb up this like service lift and like they would get in trouble by the guards right. for doing it. And she was like, oh, maybe like that's where my mom is. So she like. Honestly, you're right. I don't know. I don't know how she came to that. Like, it was like, I was so truly, random. Like, it I was guess. like out of nowhere. nowhere. I was like, what is this like convenient anyway. flashback? So anyway, so she like climbs up the right. service lift. And of course, Giselle is just like looking like, you know, they like are. pensively into the distance. There's like, there's like star exposure. Like they can look into the stars. So Giselle's like looking into the stars. And she's like, ah, you finally found me. And it was just like, Giselle, you could have just told her. But I was. What? Facts. <laughs> <laughs> so. I was so mad. I was like, what is she now? This, this like, now we have cell phones. So if I want to call you, like, I'm on the service. You could have been up there for years right. without her finding <laughs> you. <laughs> so basically, Giselle's like up there and they're like, okay, cool. What's up? So they like go into, okay, so this part was a little bit confusing. Um, But they, they basically go into a, I guess it's called a shuttle bay, which has like, you know, a, again, like star exposure. And I think there are like old right. shuttles there and basically they're just talking and Giselle yeah. kind of has this whole thing where she talks about how she like disguised herself as a nurse and like took care of the sovereign like while he was dying but then like she like imagined him dying and like the moment she imagined him dying he actually died so she was like I killed the sovereign Which, and I was like I don't I right. don't think, think you did I don't I don't think that's what happened but and then Giselle like started crying and was like sure. I just feel so guilty and I was like but I, again I don't I, you didn't I don't, kill I think him. you just had a thought and it just Anyway, so they, they like talk about that. And what, but the important piece, though, is that this kind of star exposure, El Matilda, isn't common. Like, there's not, you don't really see that often. And, like, Giselle, yes. while she was with the Sovereign, discovered that, like, he had this, like, cabinet thing where there was also, like, basically, like, a window that, like, allowed them, like, allowed him to, like, see the stars. And so she's like, okay, so that's. Right. And that's, we should point out, clarify, like, that's what's interesting about the story. So, Giselle definitely did sneak in to be a nurse to take care of the sovereign because that's how she found the secret of like stargazing room he mm-hmm. has. It's just un- she just it's not she probably didn't kill him is what it is. It's that's just a coincidence. And in her mind she's conflated it together. So she's like I thought it and it happened. Like the same way where you're like I thought, you know, 
I wish that my test would be canceled. And then it was. Right. And it's like, that's not what happened. Like, Miss Teresa just, like, uh, forgot to bring the test in today because, you know, she spilled coffee on her shirt <laughs> when, and forgot to get catch the bus. It's just a matter of coincidence. So I just right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, and so, and the other thing about the shuttle bay where they were looking at the stars is that this is, a, this, so this is confirmed where Loon used to spend her time. So there's, like, open notes everywhere and the notes are written in like way right. more clear in like a much more, cl- more clear language like it's not in code so loon literally was like mm. in one of her notes for example was like apparently there was like this whole incident a while back where like motherfuckers were going through like an asteroid belt or something like on matilda and so like these upper deck hoes were like oh girl okay here's what we're gonna do so boom we're gonna use the ghost juice and the, you know <laughs> just make matilda disappear so we can go through the asteroids and boom! And so they did that, and then, like, Loon was like, this is not going to work. And it didn't work, and it actually led to, like, hella upper-deck dying. <laughs> and Loon was like, I told these motherfuckers it wasn't going to work, but look at, you know, they just didn't, they just don't listen to nothing. But honestly, she was like, well, girl, I mean, at least it was upper-deck hoes, like, whatever. So Loon is, like, not... But also, like, what kind of crazy logic right. is that if we turn Like, they're like, oh, like, we're going to use the ghost juice and disappear. Bitch, that don't even sound right. Like, huh? The girl, right. what? Like, uh. Anyway, so, like, Loom was like, I'm actually over these motherfuckers. Um, it's like, how are you running a nuclear fission fake artificial energy source and then at the same time <laughs> think that you can disappear from an asteroid? So, basically, yeah. So the, And we also find out that from the notes that the ghost juice is called... Siluminium? Siluminium? Siluminium. Yeah. So basically, yeah. So anyway, so so just wrapping this section up, um, essentially after this whole thing, Aster goes back to Q-Deck with her girls, without Giselle, of course. And it's like, you know, I'm kind of worried about Giselle because Giselle's like kind of gone rogue low-key. And like, yeah. she's like, I'm kind of worried. Like, she's like not eating or like doing anything. So she like calls Giselle. She's like, look, girl, like I know you're like on this whole mission, but like, can you please come and like eat something at least? Oh, by the way, she calls her with the, they have a radio. Yeah, so similar to how them. Theo and Ash are going to touch with each other, like, that's how, they, that, that's, thank you, that's actually a really important detail. Like, that's how um, Giselle and Aster were able to get in touch as well. So. Yes. Which means Giselle really could have called her to tell her where she was. And so. just opted mm. to uh, not. Not. So anyway, so basically she calls Giselle, she's like, hey girl, like, I got food, and Giselle <laughs> was like, ooh, what, like, like bitch you got empanadas like what's up and so then Astra's like oh girl like we hey. have this whole meal and so she like so Giselle like she's like okay I'll be right down like I'll like come down to like you know Q deck in the night and like you know just grab my shit and go Giselle waits the entire night for some reason and basically gets to Q deck right so kind of similar to um honestly kind of fifth season I guess um wow throwback like every morning there's something they have like a roll call where basically like the guards will come and into every right. room and make sure everyone's there and Giselle obviously has not been there at all. So Giselle's like, girl, I can't be caught by these guards because they're going to fuck my shit up when they find me. And Astra's like, fair. So she was like, so that's why she was like, okay, so just come in the night and just grab your shit and leave. But then Giselle he- waited hella long and like still came down. And Astra was like, girl, what? But then Giselle came with her, like, so the rifle that she used to kill the guard earlier, like she like brought that rifle and like Astra was like, girl, I cannot, like you cannot be walking around with a rifle. Like this is ridiculous. So she takes the rifle from her. But then Giselle like, attacks her and they like kind of go back and forth like they're like fighting each other like well, not fighting more so struggling right. they're like struggling against each other and while this is happening the gun of course goes off which yikes luckily no one gets shot but it was still just like loud as fuck obviously and everyone's like what yeah. and so 
basically um just tells like bro i'm so fucking over you like i hate you like whatever and so she leaves like leaving the food and everything so like giselle runs out astro's like okay you can't just run rogue out into matilda what the fuck and like the guards are about to come for roll call like who so she like runs after her but of course as they're running after each other they're caught by this guard named lemuel lemuel some shit like that who like obviously sucks and the two of them are like subject to like physical violence and then they're basically forced into this like like solitary confinement um they call them like brain yep. boxes binge but some some kind of box basically they're like shoved in these boxes and there's like the scene with aster where like she like sasses some of the guards um i won't go into the details because it's like a lot uh, so she sasses the guards and they like basically force her to go from her box into giselle's box so mind you these boxes are already very small so like it barely fits one person so two was obviously don't make no right. damn sense so they're in this box together and they're like what the fuck giselle's mad as fuck she's like girl like i can't believe i got caught and like this is so i can't but while they're in the box they actually overhear a conversation where so they were talking about the uncle becoming this sovereign, but usually that process takes a while. So they were like, okay, like we're going to take like this yeah. month where they're like bullshit to like figure out this whole mystery with Loon. But they overhear a conversation where they're talking about how on E-Deck, they actually want to like put in this new sovereign, like basically immediately, like ASAP. And they're like, fuck, we thought right. we had more time because like once the new sovereign's in place, like he doesn't see it for Aster. So it's going to be a He's whole awful. situation. Like they're not going to be able to do this really. And so Giselle's like, okay, like I would go up and fight them. But like, obviously like, she was like pretty badly injured after the guards like did whatever. And so basically she's like, Aster, you like, you need to stop this whole mess. And so now it's up to Aster to like stop the bullshit. Save the and day. so for context, we are yeah. actually at the end of chapter four. No, sorry. The end of chapter 13. So we're like up until like the chap, like the 14th chapter. So that's yes. uh, what happens. It's wild. Yes. But, um, so there's a lot wild. to discuss. Gus, um, so we're going to take a little bit of a break, and when we get back, we're going to go into all of our thoughts and feelings on an unkindness of ghosts. And we're back. So yes, we are. Yes. That was the summary of An Unkindness of Ghosts. And now we're just going to jump into our thoughts and feelings. Mm -hmm. So overall, the book, <laughs> I like this book. I don't love this book. Uh, I think there Accurate. are some. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's some really good themes. I, I like the sci-fi theme, of course. I like this idea of them being on a ship and being stuck there. And what does that mean for the power dynamics and how they solve their problems? I like, um, that they're just—it's almost like chasing the the ghost of her mother, you know. And they're trying to find mm. these things that aren't present, like this magnetic field that no one can see, but it's there. It's having influence on the ship. And it's like the same way that you know social issues—you can't see them, but they're having an influence on everyday situations. And I like that they do the parallel with the, you know, ghosts, but also technology. So it's like, you know, what is energy? You know, what what is mm. a ghost, but maybe residual energy, or or just the way the intangible. Mm comes into the tangible and you can see that in a more spiritual world light or like a more you know energy like fission fusion like light kind of way and mixing those two together very fun very interesting i like it i do think i wish that the story was maybe i, I feel like the, not a lot of not enough is ex there's a lot happening there's a lot happening and not a lot of it is explained and sometimes there's a lot of threads that just get pulled out and you're like is that gonna mm -hmm. Is that relevant for the rest of the story or is that not relevant? <laughs> you know, like, 
<laughs> it's so just, real. Right. And so maybe, and again, maybe we get to the second half of this book and we're like, oh, everyone came back to the story. But then also that's not possible because there's just so much happening. There's so many dynamics happening that I don't think it's it's necessarily possible for it all to sort of come together. And, and so that mm-hmm. worries me. Um, worries is a strong word. I'm not concerned you know, as a novel. Okay, I'll be fine. But, <laughs> it's like, I don't care that much, but, you know, just a I'm thing just I'm wondering. thinking about. <laughs> right. And, and so there's that. And then I'm just, I, I'm reading it. <laughs> Truly was like, as I sit to my tea and like ate a cookie while reading this, I was like, huh, I wonder how that's going to pan out. Like that was the extent of my worry. <laughs> just like not bothered. Like totally right. fine. <laughs> so it's that. And then I'm reading it some more and I'm like, maybe it's the place I'm in in my life. Maybe not. But I wonder about the pros and cons of reimagining black oppression in stories. Because mm. on the one hand, you know, uh, like I think in the early 2010s, there's a lot of dystopian novels, but they were just no black people. And everyone was like, the the situations you're describing, you know, affect black and brown folks in this reality right now. Like the dystopia you're right. describing just sounds like an everyday life for <laughs> a person of color right. or, you know, someone who d- doesn't identify as closely with society so like what are you saying and why how come none of us are in these stories you know like and so i think that brought up a movement of like making dystopian stories that reflected sort of the 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 black and brown experience you know that reflected things that had actually happened in history and so you know you get a lot of dread nation and things like that Mm -hmm. books like that i get it and that's there's a place for that a great place for it but then also sometimes i'm like if in the future if in the future we just go back to slavery, I, mm-hmm. I, where's my rocket ship to moon to the moon? I'm going right. now. Are you please? Hello. Do we already Tough. did it once? Tough. Like, <laughs> like yep. no, I can't. I can't be doing this. I'm not going to the future. If I get, if I got into a time sh- time machine right now and I went 400 years in the future and they're like, well, we've oppressed all the black and brown people at the lower deck. I would be like. Like I'm going to turn it to space dust. I just can't do this with y'all anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. You're telling me we learned nothing in 400 years? Not today. Not today. And I think that's what's hard is to see the opp- oppression re- uh, projected into the future and pretty much the same way that it's it, it, it existed in the past. It's just like, yikes. I truly hope not. And I wonder what Afrofuturism looks like outside of that. You know, like mm. when there's a completely different structure there's a completely different makeup and it's not to say like uh, you know people are gonna be like well you know oppression always exists sure but i've just never seen anything be exactly the same you know what i mean and and i would like to see how and even if it's even if it is the same like how do we make it so it's it's not like i just i don't i don't think the black experience deserves to be so limited to how it's been like we are so astounding i don't think anyone's experience should be limited to what it's been and i understand that you know the patterns of the past influence the future and the patterns of the past is 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 that's the structure we live in and that's what we're trying to write about and not ignore Mm -hmm. i get it but i just i don't know what were your overall thoughts well i (laughs) (laughs) no i i mean honestly i do echo a lot of sort of your sentiments as well i will say i think that you know, like sci-fi in terms of like just reading for me, it's like it's like kind of a newer genre for me. Like I didn't necessarily grow up reading a lot of sci-fi. So like it's sort of like you mentioned, I do appreciate a lot of the um like the world building elements. I like that. Yeah. It's kind of like a mix of 
it kind of reminds me of Tiger Flume in some ways where it's like the world is very specific, but it's like, I feel mm. like this book is a bit easier to understand in some ways. Like, for example, when they first talked about baby, I was like, what the fuck is baby? Like, who? Like, is that the sun? Like, girl, what? And then they were like, oh, it's basically like the energy source of the ship. Without like saying it that's that directly, true. but like, that's like basically what they said. So I feel like for a world that is so specific in a lot of ways like it's, it's interesting because i think there's like this interesting juxtaposition of like a reliance on the past a reliance on like systems and structures that already exist juxtaposed to like this like kind of more not to say like you know plots of you know people living on ships is like you know like like this has never happened before but like you know kind of like building a very specific world that has like its own yeah. sort of like language and like processes and procedures it's like it's an interesting juxtaposition of those things and i feel like sometimes for me it's a little jarring in the same way because it's like i think when it's like you're building a world that's so fantastic where it's like there's so much you have to kind of like learn to even really really know what's going on but at the same time it's like everything about this world is just like the world we already live in in like the worst ways and it's like that's i think the part that's so weird reading it you're like this doesn't it's funny because even like in in terms of like a logistical tip like real tea like i get it people are like fucking racist and like misogynistic and terrible like people like have these biases like don't don't get me wrong but it's like on a place like matilda it literally does not make sense, make sense to act like this, to have a structure yeah. like this. This makes no sense. It's like in a way that is more pronounced, honestly, than the world that we already live in. It's like if mm. there is a like rebellion of all the lower decks, everyone's fucked. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's like and it, it, it kind of points to this question where it's like, I think the one ethical question that I really do appreciate about this book is that what what does it mean to revolt in when there's like no escape when it like when it becomes entirely sacrificial because i feel like typically when we look at like social movements you know on earth you know it's always like this idea of like you know we will like fight back we were gonna like you know fight oppression and all that because at the very least there's always a message of like you know things will be better in the future and like even if i don't necessarily get to experience all those benefits like you know people after me will but what does it mean when you're on a place like matilda where it's like if you have a rebellion and everyone Mm. dies everyone dies so like yeah what like it's like it's like what is really how do you even do that like does it even like not to say it doesn't make sense to revolt or not because obviously in this case it does like it's like uh, like they describe the lives that they're living or like they're like i would rather just not be alive like they it's funny because like even when they frame loon's suicide it's never in the sense of like oh my god girl like i can't believe she did that like that was all like it's like people there's like they don't say this but there's like an implicit understanding of like i get it like if you took your life girl i get it you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, it this is not here. a life that like d- even fucking makes sense. And so it's like, I- I'm kind of interested how that change, like, I guess, how does that inform like messaging around social movements and sort of the, like, pu- like the, like the public conviction behind one when it's like, there's mm. not necessarily a guaranteed future generation. If like, a re- if, if, if there's a rebellion that's so violent that it literally wipes out everyone. Right. Cause like technically if the, if you guys got mad enough, honestly, just poke a hole in this, the, the you know, the, let the air vents out. all fucked. <laughs> like, Which I wonder, and you make a really good point, Marcy. And I wonder like, when you project something again into the future, and we've talked about this, there is an assumption of it as outside of the the, the and ob- there's an assumption of an ob- objectivity about it. You know what I mean? Yes. There's an assumption yes. that it, of course, it would be that way. But right. if you take like the reason things happen historically is because of a bunch of things minute things put together to create that situation they're not necessarily repeatable so you're right right. on a ship in space 300 years after the world has exploded for some reason 
and it's you're right the story gets rid of a lot of assumptions like this is a ship in space and some place of the ship she is the default pronoun and some in other places where flick lives right. they is the default pronoun there's yes. so much that they're saying that if you go into the future stuff that was default isn't because it just wouldn't be anymore because things have changed exactly so then like how did we get back to <laughs> you know right. like sharecropping i'm like okay wait so if so much and i understand that's like you know evil is is ever present and oppression continues to happen but exactly why does it look so similar to the past when everything else is so different and that's you're right exactly what's moderately just jarring about the book and that's probably why it's more jarring than say dread nation because dread nation is historical fiction that takes us back to slavery so there's already things world building that you don't have to do exactly yes yeah and then you're like oh okay well you're just adding one new element when you take something so far into the future you're like how did we get here um which i mean i mean that that's i feel like we're all sci-fi is a reflection of our human experience so maybe i shouldn't be so critical but yeah it did make me wonder yeah and that's such a, that that's so funny because i because <laughs> we were actually talking about this a little bit before we recorded and i was like there was something about dread nation like this book reminds me a lot of dread nation but yeah i think yeah. that you just hit the nail right on the head that's exactly it it's like it was historical fiction so though it was like upsetting and though it was like oh my god like fucking like white people my god it was like it made like the context made sense. It was just like I mean, still it didn't make sense that people were like at, wilding out with shamblers like that. That does that yeah, still doesn't zombies. make sense. But it's like yeah. given the historical context at the time, it was kind of like yeah. But like here, it's like it's just like this like this this cultural layer over everything on Matilda where you're just like why is this even here like this is like this like literally doesn't make sense and also it's like I mean granted we don't know what happened 300 years ago but you're like if y'all hate like black and brown people this much like how did they get don't bring them on the ship don't why are they on the ship why are they on the ship it seems like Matilda is not infinite in space and time girl like it's a it's a a certain amount of motherfuckers that can be on Matilda so like just bring the people you want like I don't get the point (laughs) in having this like like these people where you're so disgusted by them that you just like treat right. them like actual garbage. Like why even have a lower deck rather than having to cipher like energy from a lower deck? Just don't have them. Just have a through J, you know, and just like everyone's uh. just like opulent and rich and whatever, you know, but I guess it's like, maybe there has to be like someone who Workers. works the power source, but it's like, I don't know. It's just, it seems like the human cost of that, like in terms of even just like the labor up the, like the guards and trying to make, cause even for example, like right before part one ended when they're talking about how they're trying to get a new sovereign, like immediately, a lot of that is because people feel like there's like things aren't going as well as they should be, or that like, you know, things are changing in ways that don't make sense. Or like, you know, it's like, there's like social unrest on the, on the right. ship, which is what, what's expediting this process. But I think a lot of that is motivated by the fact that there is this like, really salient like racial and social tension that it's like Mm. this doesn't even seem necessary where it's like racism if the same if this if the culture of matilda was the one that preceded it before people even got on matilda i don't understand why you would ever even have these kind of people on the ship to begin with why not even automate it in a way where it's like you don't even have to interact with these kinds of people and if anything Mm. it's like i would almost i and this sounds kind of weird to say but i feel like i would almost rather read a book like that because i think reading this sometimes it's just like it's so I don't know. It's like, it's like, it's, I think, yes, there are some, and I think another thing just in comparison with Dread Nation, I think one thing that's hard for me with this is that like more than, cause I think Akko and I, you and I are kind of in similar places, like in our own headspace and kind of how like, it's like, damn, like we literally making these worlds and we're like doing fantasy and all this shit. And like, we're still like, this is like, this is still happening. You know, it's like, it's like right. so jarring in a way, but at the same time, it's like, I think one thing that Dread Nation offered was like a really interesting racial 
question around like for example like with the shamblers like the fact that anyone could become a shambler once you become a shambler like you know you kill anybody right. you don't give a fuck like, it, like they're raised irrelevant and even just the way that like the shamblers were like used for their labor in that way and like kind of how it like added like a bit of humanization to them i think it kind of it changed the racial dynamic mm. in a lot of ways and offered like a place to have a discussion and i think that i I mean, granted, this is a prediction into a book that, like, you know, is, actually, is Dread Nation 2 out at this point? I think it's out at this point. But, um, yeah, it's, like, I'm not sure if this happens in the, in the sequel, but it's, like, I think it does offer, like, you could see sort of a turning tide in some ways. Right. Like, even or if it's slow, you kind of see, like, okay, like, they got rid of the sheriff, you know, the shampoos kind of act like this, but you know what? Like, it's, like, it's, like, you see something interrupting the racial dynamics at play. Right. And I don't think the same is true here. It's like you don't necessarily mm. see anything that's going to change or interrupt this or, or even anything. offer like a racial like nuance or discussion to be had. It's just kind of like, oh, yeah, right. like all the Abedek people are white and like have all the money and are like, you know, have all these resources and like we're all just like poor and black and brown and like fucking dying and like getting our feet amputated because like they're cutting off all the heat because they hate us and we're all Matilda so we can't escape and so it's like just extremely like it's like it's truly your only reality like there's no escape from it and it's just like this is just like fucking depressing like i just i don't know maybe it's just like I'm, maybe we're just not the audience for this book in that <laughs> sense but like it's like even though i think the book does a good job of like world building and stuff to mm. to, to, to a certain extent um like there's definitely some things where i'm like girl yeah, but, uh, but like i think like the way it's written is is well right like there's like a yeah. lot of quotes where i was like this is like really this is this is real written. or like this is mm. like very well researched like very well written like like just very good like in that sense but like in terms of the the actual like attachment to the characters in the world i don't know i just am not in a space where i just am just like um like i'm immersed but like in a bad way it's like oh my god like fuck right. this is so like i literally like i like had to take breaks reading this book like i'm like oh my god like, do i really right. want to read this scene about how like you know the guards do xyz and there's no accountability and like i don't know it's just nothing is solved yeah and you're right oh, because it's just a lot and, and dread nation i mean we read it and we had issues with dread nation too but i i think it's like you're saying there was a point that in the story that the underlying metaphor in the story that i think got you to kind of like be like hmm was it examined the fragility underlying the system that people were so sure of, right? Yes. Which undermines a lot of a lot of our social norms, right? Like there is an underlying fragility to all of our these societal norms that we build up. And when you throw the shamblers, aka zombies, in, it changes the dynamic extremely, right? So now these black and brown folks who are are given weapons but then like the society is like well we can't give them guns because we're afraid of them revolting you know what i mean but they now have right. a power position that they did not have before like how does that change mm -hmm. the dynamics and then you have these shamblers who and exactly if everyone can be a shambler like what does that mean so it, it about right this whole society is built on the idea of us being so genetically different except apparently not because we can all turn into zombies and and exactly. it's reflecting an ex a reality of the real world and, and questioning the fragility of these social structures that we adhere so strongly to maybe in the second half of the book this will come up but as of right now like there's just nothing that makes me think like okay but what am i questioning like what am i getting out of this like maybe this again we are only on chapter 13 so maybe in the second half every piece comes together and we're like oh actually the underlying metaphor was i don't know this that and the other right but it just right now it's like it, even like when we talk about theo theo is a great and really interesting character i think theo's a like 
the way he talks, the way he acts, what he's dealing with, the way he identifies, he's so nuanced and interesting. But then also right. there's this weird religious thing where he's like whipping himself on the back all the time. And I'm like, hmm, why do we need to go to medieval religious practices? Like mm. I understand to sort of, and I understand that's like a critique of colonialism, but it's just, <laughs> I understand that, but it's just, it's a lot, you know? And I'm not sure what yeah. the, I, I'm not sure what the, what the messaging here is like it maybe right. your point is that like it's you know like religions have been oppressive and violent towards people which is true correct but <laughs> i'm just trying to figure out okay but where are we going with this i i don't know maybe that's not the right take anyway let me not right. question myself that's just how i felt reading it no that's uh, real and i i think it actually brings up a really interesting just sort of zooming out a little bit like just like a broader like discussion around just black pain as like hmm. this thing to be consumed this thing to be like monetized it's funny because I, I i don't know I've, I've talked to some of my i haven't seen queen and slim but like i know like that's something that's gotten a lot of mixed reviews um and you know there's just i don't know i feel like there's this trend of like you just see more of these narratives that explore black suffering and you see how a lot of these narratives get like sort of this like co-signed by like yeah right like accolades and like that's like kind of co-signing by whiteness like people really like putting value on these types of media and it's one of those things where it's like and this i'm and i'm not necessarily trying to come for the author or anything like that like you know this is obviously like this a lot of work went into this book i'm really not trying to underwrite any of that or undersell it in any capacity however i do think it's interesting that you know, books like this are so popular, right? It's like, why is it why why is it that this kind of narrative is the one that's always so backed? This is the one that gets the NPR, the you know, gets the New York Times bestseller, right? You know, it's just like I don't know. I just feel like there's just a certain like bias towards seeing us in this space where it's just like I don't know for for me at least. Like I'm like I don't know I don't know about other black people, but I, mean, I know how you feel. But like for other black people, I don't know if, the, like, if it affects them in the same way. But it really does affect me, and it's like truly like yeah. it's like undeniable. It's like I reached it like this, and I can't just be like, wow, that's terrible that like you know this happened to Giselle. It's like I it's like it's like I feel it because it's we live in this world still, Where right? It's, it's still like, like happening. This, it's yeah. like it still happens. So it's like I can't. Like, just see Giselle as just Giselle or see Aster as just Aster. I see them as sort of, like, projections on these, like, phenomena that happen in society like that have been happening and that still are happening. Like, right. the amount of sexual violence and stuff like that. I'm like, this is so, like, this isn't, like, this isn't over, right? Like, it's like, right. it's not like we're looking at it from, like, oh, we've really moved on. It's like, we're still in this. And yeah. so it's just like, it's mm. like you're handing us this pain that we already know is there. And you're like, like, okay, girl, I know we're already hurting. Like, do we need salt yeah. right now? Like, I don't think we right. need this. <laughs> I think we're like, <laughs> fine. Like, I don't know. It's just, and it, and, and I, I don't know. Like, there yeah. Was like, it's, it's, yeah. Oh, and like, it's just, I don't know. It's one of those things where. <sighs> it's exhausting. It, I, I, it's exhausting. Was, it's yeah. really exhausting. Truly. That's, that's, I'm just okay. tired. <laughs> like, I'm just yeah. so tired. <laughs> um. Yeah. I remember there was like one part I was reading with um, Miss Samantha or Samantha, whoever the Miss Sammy. <laughs> Miss Sammy, there we go. <laughs> and I was like, um, and they were talking about like, oh, she's light and like beautiful and like well put together. And Aster is like not well kempt and like dirty and dark skinned. And I was like, okay, I don't, I just, I just 
I am a dark-skinned woman. I just don't know what you want me to do with this information anymore. Like, <laughs> right. I, like I truly, I think I'm great. Like, personally, Hello, I, I think I'm you great. You are great. Shit. Thank you, love. But I'm just like I don't. And I, the amount of the amount of um, imaging in which dark-skinned women are portrayed as this sort of like ugly, grotesque thing that's like just right. it's, it's just like I, I don't know like today like I do not know what you want me to do with this imagery and I like truly don't know what I gained from from it like I I, I like Aster's character I think she again uh, the characters in the story are very, very well written like Aster oh, has yeah. a very specific personality she had, and and what I like about her character actually is that her personality comes with benefits and consequences based on her personality right like those things mm-hmm. influence her struggles and her successes and a lot of times when you're writing characters specifically female characters people just forget like no like they, they these like problems come out of nowhere and they like you're like how did this happen but with Aster you're like ah I see how that could have happened like when when she's right. talking to Miss Sammy, you're like, actually, I don't think Aster's going to help this woman. Like, you kind of know based on her character. That, and you're oh, like, yeah. uh, Aster, this is about to get you in trouble. But you're oh, like, my. but you know you're going to do it. Same thing with Giselle. You're like, okay, Giselle's personality is very well written. So when something happens, you're like, honestly, when she was like, come down. And Giselle came down at the end of the night. I was like, I kind of, I am not surprised that Giselle oh, made that damn. decision. And oh, it's going to have consequences. <laughs> And that's very good story writing. But it's just the right. minute stuff like that, that stuff that I guess like hits, that yes, th- it hits and I just, uh, are you going to give me anything for that pain or am I just going to have to sit with the fact that I, <laughs> I, people think black women are ugly? Like I just. Right. <laughs> and I think that's the, that's the tension that I experience a lot with this book. Because the thing is like, it, it's funny. It's not that, I'm not even going to say that I dislike this book. I actually find it really interesting. Like when I sit down and read it, Same. I'm actually like, interested to see what's going to happen next but I, yeah. I think that's really it like you see these really nuanced these really well-written characters and i just wish they were somewhere else i wish we could see aster and giselle and theo and all those other people yeah. like in a different setting and just like see like not even saying it has to be slice of life or it has to be devoid of problems like you know like we all experience problems and like you know the societies we live in are never perfect right but it's like just seeing something just seeing them in a different context i feel it like would be so valuable because yeah yeah you look mm. at people like Aster and you're like wow like like when she was interacting with like miss sammy and like she was like girl i'm not helping you like fuck out of here like you got me <laughs> fucked up like i was like i was i wanted i was like oh yes like you know like that's like like we need this kind of energy but i was like girl you're like like a part of me was like girl just like like because there was a moment where the guard was like just apologize to her and we're fine and Aster was like no and i was like oh like because i was like girl just do it so like oh my god like i was just like i really don't want to have to read about what happens to you next if you say no and she said no and i was like oh my god but then just uh, shot him dead so it's fine but right. yeah it's just like things like that where it's just like i just i don't know i find their characters so interesting and like i just i would love to just, just see it i don't know just like transfix into another place but something that i actually do when i sort of talk about a little bit is that something that i find really interesting about aster but also just like sort of you know we've been talking about Drat Nation um sort of books of sort of like this similar I don't know if there's like a literary like term for these types of books um mm. but like I find the relationships to power really interesting like Aster's mm. someone who you know though she's in Q-deck she like has sort of like this medical knowledge that gives her the ability to like you know offer these services or at least to, at the very least to like people in the lower deck but all, but more importantly right. she has this relationship with theo like the surgeon that's so that affords her so many privileges and we kind we mm. kind of can see too like in dread nation like jane sort of had proximity to oh my god what was his name oh what was his name what, what was his uh, name? mr sexy doctor what was it 
this I think it was a sexy doctor. Oh, girl, what was it? But also her mother. She, I did, yeah, and also her mom. It's like wh- whatever. She had these relationships <laughs> with other people that afforded her a level of like access that like those that her peers didn't have. And so something that I I know we kind of talked about this, like what does it mean to have these kind of kinds of narratives where it's like, these are the kind of protagonists that are like leading to social change, but they always have like, they're not the worst ones off. Right. Like it's like, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's not like Aster is just like fucking like just has nothing. Right. It's like, she does have this edge that kind of gives her the ability to do X, Y, Z. And so it's like, I guess in terms of like when we talk about storytelling, especially as it relates to social movements and social change, like what does it mean to have this kind of mm. protagonist versus one that like doesn't like that, Mabel that truly or is right? That, like Mabel in the story, who's just right? She doesn't have any power. Who's other exactly? You know, there are other people in her bunk. I mean, Gessel is probably similar to that actually because she really doesn't have any power, and I guess that explains why she's so adamant about like one having a weapon and you know you know, exactly. Like, Ah, okay, interesting. That actually makes me think because Gissel is more of that character, right? And she has to be a little bit more cutthroat because she doesn't have a pass anywhere. Huh. Like a literal pass. She literally doesn't have a pass. So she has... Wow, I actually didn't even think about that until we talked about it. Yeah. Huh. Look at this book club. And even then, like when you talk about Mabel and her like underground reporters, it's like she has like this underground writing resource. But like to date, we haven't really seen how that's... Mm like change much of what was going on around. So it's like, I, I guess it's like, it's not to say that like the same spirit of revolution doesn't exist in their peers, obviously, but it's like, it's unfortunate when you just see how it's like, damn, like Aster's relationship to the surgeon who literally is the son of the previous so- like sovereign is right. like clutch. Like, <laughs> like this is useful and helpful, but it's also just like, I don't know, kind of interested to see what it would look like to have like a Giselle a as a protagonist yeah. or like a Mabel or someone like that. Like what would that, how would that change things would there even be a story to right. be told right like would there even like or would it just be like yep they lived this terrible life and it was terrible and they tried to do I something wonder... but it failed you know <laughs> yeah, right right like, yeah if, that, if you like... remove Aster from the story like there's nothing <laughs> that's a great question and i wonder if it has to do with the fact that if you're writing a story just the way like the pedag- the pedagogy and academia works if you're already in the position where you're writing, maybe you have more privilege than other people. And so you're writing from that perspective as someone who's mm. gotten kind of an in somehow. And now you're trying to use it to like help people. And so your perspective is influenced by that. Cause I'm just trying to think like we, sometimes you forget about the author, you know, and it's right. Yeah. That, that could be it too. Cause even dread nation is a similar kind of, she is like quirky and like a kind of like has this little in, in society. And I don't know. It, I don't know, like, huh, I don't have an answer to that, you know, because I was, I was thinking about it a lot too, right? Because Theo literally just has access to the most powerful entity on the ship, right? Like, it just right. that's like a trump card energy. But then in reality, <laughs> how much of us have that a trump card energy? I'm dead. Um, but in, <laughs> in reality, how many of us have, like, in these movements where people were on the come up, how many people had access to, like, that level of en- like power not really you know what i mean right. like and they still you know try to stop things revolutionize try to work hard and make things different right. I, I don't know i just wonder what's lost when when you put all of the savior complex on this person who has this sort of privilege thing right. happening 
Because it's like, or at least privileged by proxy of the relationship to someone Ooh, else. Because even then, I feel like if you proxy. were to have, say, a Mabel as a character, where like there was a similar revolution, like I'm assuming there's gonna be a revolution, because like, girl, what the fuck? If there ain't, I'm really about to be like, girl, what the f- what? <laughs> so <laughs> How did we get here? But <laughs> I feel like if it, if you had someone like you know Mabel as a protagonist, you would just see more, like just. I think you would just see more organizing, honestly. Like, you would just mm. see people really coming together as a community being like, okay, like, we may not have much, like, structural power, like, individually, but together, like, they cannot ignore our asses. Like, bitch, right. they gotta answer to, you know, when we roll up and do X, Y, Z. So I think you would just see more of a community honestly, sort yeah. of struggle versus now, like, I mean, granted... An individual. Right, it's like, it's like Aster's actions are more individual, and granted, will have a community effect, but, like, it is more, like, she's able to kind of, like, go on this, like, quest, right? Versus, right. like, she's not going on a quest with, like, all of Q-Deck. It's, like, you know, she just does her yeah. whenever. <laughs> yeah, because even so. Giselle's, like, it's too much for me. Like, you have to save the day. It's not even, like, Giselle and Aster take down. It's, like, just, a- you know, it's very much, like, chosen one which I guess is, like, a very, you know, that's the hero's journey type of thing. Which again, I don't, I don't love the hero's journey. I, I know that's like really, Akko, You don't like a like quintessential yeah. trope in literature, like really, you know. But it's, <laughs> I, I just wonder, like, why, you know, I don't know. But also, Marcy, honestly, what you were saying about the fact that like they are on a spaceship, I really, I've been thinking about it since we've been talking, and I really can't get over it. They are on a spaceship. Upper deck is yeah. playing around. I really could just go and put some, you know, poison in the air vents and call it a uh, day. Y'all so, are playing. Yes. <laughs> yes. And then it's just, it's really going to be a ship full of ghosts for, for real. Like, honestly, Facts. like y'all are really <laughs> out here playing and we can really blow, we can really blow this motherfucker up. Like, yeah, I, I don't right. think y'all, I'm acting like I'm, I live a fucking wide deck. Like, I'm just like, y'all really don't That's understand. That, like, y'all are actually playing deck, with fire. I have the whole fission thing, this whole, uh, you know, nuclear reactor happening. I, I really can just push a button and call it a day. It's, I mean, I don't know. I understand. Cause we talked about in dread nation being, a, there being an assumption of, um, you know, like an assumption that people are going to do, like not destroy the whole system. But that, it makes sense on Earth. But once we're in space, I, I don't know. It yeah. just, I, no one has given me, maybe, and I was thinking about this, maybe when we learn what happened 70 years ago, it will make sense. You know, maybe it was so, because when things like catastrophes happen, you can you can pull up a lot, you can pull off a lot of things when there's a catastrophe, right? True. Like, so maybe that's whatever happened 70 years ago, is allowing for this to take place. But until someone explains how we got here, you know what I mean? Even with like slavery, like you have people moving from continent to continent. Like there is some social change that allows for this to take place. Like structures don't just organize themselves. So maybe once the 70 year thing is explained, we'll figure out what's happening. Um, That's true. And one last point, I know we kind of, um, brought this up uh, but yeah before we go into our quotes I was thinking let's talk a little bit about Giselle and Aster's um, friendship because hmm. it's a little uh, violent mean like it's just like yeah. not the healthiest and like I know, I know you had a lot of thoughts about this so I, I definitely you know yeah like, I yeah like I understand Right. Like, I understand, you know, in oppressive um, societies, right? Like, there's collateral violence, right? There's people hurting each other because we're all stuck under this heavier oppressor, and it it can be very psychologically damaging. 
But also in these oppressed societies, people like are genuinely friends and genuinely kind to each other and genuinely, mm-hmm. you know. And so I just the Giselle and and Astor's relationship just seemed in un explainably violent to me like or unexplainably <laughs> yes mean. Like, I was like, yes why is just like it's just a lot of hitting a lot of like and then it was like well i understand why she's so mean and i i don't know the messaging is confusing to me because i'm like i don't actually that's not love that's not friendship that's not it happened a little bit in tiger flu too with um the two clone women it was just a lot of like you're disgusting like i hate you you're like just like really right. strong work you know what i mean like I don't know. This mm-hmm. very like you're disgusting, and yet we're stuck together and we're friends. I'm like, this is that's not that's not friendship. Like, I I, I don't know. Yeah. Like, that's not a relationship. It's not. Uh, please like call it what it is. Like maybe it's just not healthy. And I I I wanted to note that because I was just reading it. And I was like, this is a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. I'm just no, like, I agree. Your friends should be good to you. Your friends should be, and you should be good to your friends. It's not. You can't just be like, we're in a, this messy situation and therefore, you know what I mean? That should that right. should be seen as a product of the society that they live in. It should not be like any type of, I don't know, it's, it's unacceptable is what I'm trying to say. And I wish it was highlighted yeah. more that it was unacceptable. Which to be fair, when Giselle is like just strangling Aster when she took away her gun, everyone else is like, you're hurting her. But like, okay, yeah. like, <laughs> is that enough? Right, but like, are we going to, are we going to stop? this like or is it just and it's just like and then there's like this weird moment at the end of the chapter where it's like they're forcing this box together and it's like they have to like work together but it's just i don't know it's just kind of like oh this is really like i mean i also have this problem with my hero academia for like no one asked but here i'm i go (laughs) no keep going no um because there's this character deku and bakugo and bakugo is just like super mean to deku like to the point he's like i will destroy you and they've got superpowers and i'm just like i was talking to my 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 sibling the other day and i was just like what is he so mad about like you know Mm -hmm. in naruto here we go in naruto is angry but like we understand (laughs) like like i understand his level of vitriol because it's stemming from somewhere and it's not all of the time it's very specific and but with these other sometimes i'm just like i i i don't understand (laughs) like i just don't understand this level of vitriol and i i think i have a hard time reading it when i'm not sure what where it's coming from or what the point is and yes in real life you don't know where people's vitriol is coming from but that's not real life this is a book someone explain this to me (laughs) right no that's real yeah because it's just like if they just mean as fuck to each other it's like girl we already on matilda do we need to be terrible to each other like god damn like and then you look at relationships like we haven't we didn't really go into it that much but like mabel and pippi i think her name is um they're two of like asters and just i was like bunkmates and they're like in a relationship with each other and it's like seeing their interactions i'm like i feel like this makes more sense like if you're Mm. like dying on matilda and there's like no heat and you're cold as fuck all the time like i'm like i mean I can see, like, it's like, love is really such a protective factor. It's like, why not mm. just what happened to that? Like, I don't see what the fuck right. is the point of, like, Giselle, like, attacking Aster for a rifle. And you're like, girl, what? Like, why are you, like, girl, what, wh- why are you doing this? this so, what the fuck? Like, oh my God. Well, listen, I've never been a Matilda, so I don't know what it's like. <laughs> but maybe it's just, maybe it's just like that juxtaposition of seeing the two. Like, you oh. know, like, maybe that's the point, like, to see, mm. like, you're able to notice how terrible their relationship, like, the, how cruel their relationship can be when you look at relationships like Mabel and Pippi's. But that's then Mabel and Pippi are like side characters at best. And so it's just like, right. okay, you don't even really, it's like love 
that kind of framing isn't necessarily what's most dominant. What's most dominant is like this kind of like gritty, like action, like, oh, we got to like stop these motherfuckers at all costs and we got to like kill. I don't know. It's just so. And maybe it's just like a symbol for like violence begets more violence, but it's just like, mm. God damn, girl, this is a. This yeah. is a lot. I think, too, what gets me is like, it, it seems like it. it the violence like doesn't have any consequences. Like one moment, Aster and Giselle will be at each other's throat. The next moment, they're like sitting there, like talking, kikiing, like nothing's wrong. And maybe, to be fair, maybe this is supposed to reflect abusive relationships in general. They are kind of in and out, right? Like so. On, so, but anyway, on that note, why don't we talk about our quotes and then we can do our predictions? Yes, let's do that. Okay. So for me, my quote is fairly simple. Um, it's from chapter 11. It's basically, I forgot what they were doing at the time, but essentially it, they were talking, it was like Aster and just, I think it was when they were in the shuttle bay, Aster and Giselle like talking about Loon. But um, yes, this is what it reads. Aster often thought of her mother, of the young woman named Loon Gray and her strange experiment, her deck life, her research, her suicide. She wondered how she looked, what clothes she preferred, how she felt about the sovereignty, Never once, however, has she imagined her mother crawling through the ship's ducts like Aster so often did. It was hard to imagine the dead having adventures. It was hard to imagine her as a person at all. And mm. I really like this quote because, irrespective of the context, I think it's so true. Like, I think when we think of folks who are no longer alive, especially maybe people who we're, like, related to that we didn't mm. necessarily have much of a relationship with, there is this kind of, like almost like default personality or like regalness that we give them. There's like, Ooh, it's like they're kind true. of stripped from any f- faults or like sort of like quirks that they had in life. Like we don't think about the dead as quirky. We don't think about ancestors mm. as quirky. We think about them as like wise, as like, you know, as so experienced as like, you know, just have the, it's almost like, like sage in a lot of ways. And it's just yeah. kind of like, yeah, it's like, there's like, I, I feel like that imagery was something I never really thought about. Like how we frame folks who are no longer alive especially those that we're close to but like this i literally read this paragraph and was like oh yeah so that's a good point Mm -hmm. you're right and the book kind of made me think about that yeah yeah i agree and the book does like a really interesting job of um kind of dissecting ghosts but like what we do with people's memories or what we do with people who are no longer here and how they influence our lives and 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 so that you're right that quote's really interesting in the sense that's like um, Aster is chasing her mother's shadow this whole story right and right. In, in this like venerated way too after she starts realizes the journals are decoded so yeah it, it, it is asking like what do we do what do we make of the dead after they're gone like how do we memorialize them and then how does that like how does the way we think about them bring them back to life and in what capacity so mm-hmm. uh, yeah. my two quotes were one which is also about ghosts look at that and it's just like a short clip it was almost like the my two quotes are two like throwaway lines but i thought they were like really well written so i threw them in there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one was that's what ghosts really are the past refusing to be forgot which is very cool i like that and then um another line since a lot of the book is like you know like thermodynamics and energy and stuff and it says there's no such thing as creation merely a shuffling of parts all birth is rebirth in the skies Oh, like, see, ooh. that's a word. Yep. Right? Like, I was like, ooh, I like this, you know? Just mm. And maybe, you know, maybe that's what the book is trying to tell us that me and you are. <laughs> like, right? It's like, <laughs> if all birth is rebirth in disguise, then it's like the story that I'm telling in the past reflects the story of the future. And so, uh, you know, fine, fine. I'll take it. Fine. <laughs> fine. I guess. I like. guess. <laughs> 
But um, let's jump into our predictions real quick. So I I have like three scenarios. One, they find a new planet using Loon's notes and this like magnet magnetic field or something. And they realize actually it's all good on that planet. Like everybody's happy. Like literally everyone is just kikiing, eating snacks and it's fine. And everyone's like, oh shit, let's get off Matilda and go there. And then like the upper deck people are like, no, don't leave us. And they're like, uh, bye. And then right. the, <laughs> the other option is that there's an uprising and they take over Matilda and they redistribute power and wealth and they just continue on their space journey. And then like, scenario three is that an asteroid hits the ship and everyone gets sucked into space so there you go yeah (laughs) what about you Rosie? (laughs) so mine are actually not actually super duper far off um mine's kind of also like scenario based well i I think so one thing for sure is that i definitely don't think that loon is dead i think she's still alive i think she i don't know i think she's like maybe somewhere on matilda or she did escape somewhere i don't think she committed suicide that seems convenient like mm. as a reason so i think we'll find out what really happened and like where she is and like she's gonna like come back and just be lit as shit and just like really lead the girls to rebellion right. so that's one thing um i do think that they'll probably overthrow the sovereign and like have some semblance of a rebellion whether that'll completely mm. topple the structure unclear but i don't think it's just gonna be like yeah the sovereign came it was awful and uh the end is like no girl like, <laughs> we about to fuck this shit up our right, girl i hope so, and similarly, I think that either they're either will find a new planet or everyone's going to die. Like one or the other. Like, or like, <laughs> like, I don't think it's just like, they're just going to plastically keep going through space. I think it's just going right. to be like, it's either we find, we go somewhere else or like, girl, no, like this, we cannot, like everyone has to die. Also, um, I know this is kind of wild. Can I, I, this is wild, but did you think while you're reading the book, where are they getting all these resources from? Like I truly was sitting there. I was like, where's the water coming from? Like, where, no, that's where so real. Oh, I didn't even think about that, but that's true. Like, how how the fuck do bitches have ice rinks? Girl, that's what? what I'm saying. Huh? Like more than oh just people God. working. Like, w- w- like where are where is everything coming from? Like, right. Anyway. No, that's real. So really maybe shit. we'll find out. I, there, that's my prediction. We'll find out where everything's coming from in part two. I'm um. into it. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, yes, everyone. We know that this episode has been kind of long as fuck. Mm. Um, but we appreciate y'all listening. Um, yes. yes, of course. If you want to get in touch with us. We have a Twitter at the Colored Pages. We have an email at thesecoloredpages at gmail.com as well as yes, a we website do. at thesecoloredpages.com. Also, two things. So we're like getting our website shit together, you know, like mm. she's like kind of like going through like a makeover. So like, yeah, check out our website because, you know, it's like, you know, we we getting it together. Right. It's a and, cute little thing. Right. And also, don't forget that we are on a quest to have 25 ratings and reviews <laughs> on, on Apple Podcasts. So please yes. do leave a comment rate and review with whatever rating is most honest and you feel is a best reflection of the color pages book club as a whole and once we reach 25 we will release episode zero book of martha by Ooh. octavia butler which you do not want to miss so yes yeah, so yeah do those things but um Akko, is there anything else that we should leave our listeners before we head out no um i think that's everything but until we see you next time, just remember to stay, stay colorful. colorful.